everybody, what's going on? It's Tuesday, and we're talking about another movie. And I'm almost going into the video next door. You're going into the video next door. Next door. (laughs) One of these days I'm going to make a video that's like us, and then like I'm going to put a video over here. It seems like you're in the middle of the screen, though. I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm in the same place I'm always at. I'm in the same place I'm always at. That sounds like a you problem. That sounds like a you problem. We'll be talking back. Or what? I'll be talking back. Oh, you got. Oh, you got a. You got a. I got one a cheap a, a power a yeah, drink. Yeah. What do they fuck? What do they call those? Intense. 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 That's that's from fucking the dollar store. That's a dollar store one dollar. I mean, they all, they all taste like ass to me. They so taste like sweet tarts. Yeah, that's they all taste the same. I've never like had one that was like that was no. any better than any of the others. Uh, no. I don't mind. I don't this mind. This not the, as good as the other one. I don't mind the coffee ones, like the, uh, Loca Mocha, and all, yeah. so I like that. But like, even no. those, I'd rather just have this one is, with just coffee. This is it. like the dollar store brand, and they have two other flavors that are fucking the, the purple one and the red one. They taste terrible. This is the the orange one. Yeah. Probably it's it's it no a, it's no Asian experience. That's no. for sure. <laughs> Fuck no, it's not Asian experience. It ain't no Asian experience. It's not, not an Asian. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, hi everybody. Um, David June said, I'm hoping this will begin a slew of Tarantino reviews. We actually um, are doing this one because uh, our friend Louie sent us Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Like in a package yesterday. Yes, so we, we were very that. excited about that. And then we were kind of talking about True Romance and I was like, well maybe we could do that one too. Even though I know like Tarantino just wrote the script. Like he didn't direct it. Tony Scott directed it. But that was still like a good movie that I haven't seen in a long time. And I was like really excited to revisit Reservoir Dogs because it's probably been at least... 15 years? I haven't seen this in for, uh, I hadn't seen this in 25 years. I don't think I've seen it since. Um, I didn't see it in the theater, I but I am since I'm, the 90s. Yeah, I kind of feel well, no, I think I saw it in the 2000s at some point. Like, but it's been a while. It's been like at least 15 years since I've seen it. We can do some Tarantino stuff, it's not as long as it's not his real ridiculous shit. <laughs> some of this shit's just fucking ridiculous. Um uh his best stuff we can do. But the same thing is, is uh, the fuck. My phone's right. That's your phone. Okay. Um, the thing is, is that we we still got to do Godfather one and two. Well, two and three. Two and we three did we did Godfather one. Yeah, already. yeah, two and three. Yeah. I know. I feel bad because like yeah. we got sent those and we yeah. didn't. We did the first one, but I we think Louis sent like, those too. I think Louis sent those too. Yeah. But I was like I said, I was just excited about you know doing Reservoir Dogs. And I was primed to see. Uh, Godfather 2. I, I always remembered Godfather 2 being better. Yeah, everybody says that. Yeah? Okay. Uh, David June says, do Pulp Fiction next. Also digging Tom's new look. Been gone a while. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you've been here for a little while. Yeah, because you've been uh, had the bald head and the Ming the Merciless beard for a while now. Yeah. Well, I don't know how long it's been. Uh, it's been a while. About a month, maybe. Oh, it's longer than that. Has it been longer than that? It's well, Yeah, it's okay. way, been way longer than a month, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm when not worried did... about it. I don't even care. <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about it. I don't care. No. He doesn't care about it. No, I don't care, what I, I don't care about the beard. <laughs> just, I'm just letting it roll. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino's first 
I guess kind of like his first feature length film. I think he had made like kind of another indie film before this. I read that it was called, what was it called? Like my best friend's birthday or something like that. But um, that was technically feature length, but I think most of it's been lost. So uh, this is kind of like his big debut. I kind of feel like, and I had forgotten, like I remember when this came out and like what a big deal it was. I had forgotten like what a massive, massive cultural impact this movie had just on independent filmmaking in general. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was because, so different from everything else. When right. It came and it's out. like crazy now. Like yeah. I, it's crazy to me to think now because when this came out in 1992, like people were flipping the fuck out. Like when it played at uh, Sundance, when it played at uh, like the Cannes Film Festival and stuff, like people were just like, everybody was talking about it. It was like a massive deal. And one of the things they were talking about was one, how violent it was, which by today's standards, it's not really. Um, but for back then, I guess it kind of was. And uh, all of the swearing in it, which again, I didn't barely even notice because yeah. I, I swear more than that all the time too. But like, Lots you know, of racial slurs. Well, yeah, yeah that yeah, too, yeah. which which that's that's another kind of Tarantino yeah. uh, kind of hallmark, I guess. Yeah. But it's just, this was almost kind of like the thing that brought independent filmmaking like up to the same level as big Hollywood blockbusters. I don't think that, because I think it had kind of been two tracks before like, independent films got, like, a lot of play and stuff, but, like, a lot of people didn't see them, or it's like they wasn't... But I think when this came out, and then particularly when Pulp Fiction came out, which was also kind of, like, an independent film, but then it got nominated for, like, Best Picture, and it was, like, this big, huge deal, and then a lot of people went back and saw this one, too. I kind of feel like it was really... I don't know. It, like, it really changed the way independent films were marketed. It really changed the way that they were perceived, I guess. I saw the movie as kind of an exercise in how to make an exciting gangster movie without very much action in it. It right. didn't really cost much to make this. Just a bunch of gangsters fucking talking to each other about shit, about this job that went went down. And um, they're mostly just talking to each other. They do have some action scenes. Yeah, there's shootouts and There's shootouts and stuff, but they're mostly talking to each other. But it's real, it seems like there's a bunch of action in it. It's real exciting what they're talking about. And then um, they get sidetracked a lot. Talk about they were talking about Madonna. They were talking about. <laughs> there's how, actually a funny story behind how that. How loose she was. Now all kinds of weird. Well, things. The, there's a funny story behind that because, like, yeah. the opening, the, famously, the opening scene of the movie is all of them in a diner, and they're trying to. And Quentin Tarantino opens the movie like you know, Mr. Brown, and he's talking about how "Like a Virgin" the song is actually about. Um, you know, like someone with a real loose cooch, yeah. um, and like discovering like someone with a real big dick, and like it yeah. felt like a virgin, like a virgin. Again. yeah. And so, like, which actually, like, when he laid it out, I was like, that sounds kind of reasonable. But the funny story was that many years later, you know, when the Madonna album yeah. Erotica came out, yeah, she sent him a signed copy of that album, yeah, and on it she said, "It's not about dicks, it's about love." That <laughs> <laughs> signed it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was like super funny, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." So she, cause she was like, "No, that's not what the song was about." But honestly, I don't know. Like, if you wanted to read it that way, you totally could. You totally could. That's <laughs> why these gangsters are gonna read it. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what was kind yeah. of funny about it. But I think like, so this also wasn't the first movie that, because I mean, Quentin Tarantino is very known nowadays, like for doing like you know, non-linear storytelling. You know what I mean? And obviously that had been done before, but I kind of feel like, 
when Reservoir Dogs came out, and then particularly, like, two years later when Pulp Fiction came out, where it just had, like, all these kind of, like, really cool gangsters, it was, like, super violent, like, with all the swearing and, like, also the non-linear storytelling was jumping back and forth in time, um, that I feel like everybody in the 90s wanted to make a fucking movie like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of these independent filmmakers are like, oh, my God, they all... So there were so many fucking ripoffs, which is crazy because... I wouldn't go to. I wouldn't go so far as to say Reservoir Dogs is a ripoff. A lot of people did say that it was, um, you know, kind of like a pastiche of a lot of movies. But that's kind of what Quentin Tarantino does, right? Like he was, um, and but he admits it though. He's like, well, this movie Reservoir Dogs very massively influenced by the Stanley Kubrick movie, The Killing. Um, there was also a Chinese uh, kind of heist film called City on Fire, which he took like a lot of ideas from, but. It's not exactly like any of those. He just kind of like takes all of his, and also he was saying the whole thing about, you know, this movie being about a heist that you never actually see. Everyone's just kind of like talking about it. He's like, well, partially that was done for budgetary purposes, obviously, because it was a very low budget. But he's like, I also wanted to be kind of like Glengarry Glen Ross, which was based on a, you know, play yeah so he wanted it to have that theatricality to it where it's like everybody's talking about this thing that happened but you never actually see what happened you know what i mean everyone's just kind of talking about it it's effective though it is very very effective because it it leaves things ambiguous you're not sure if everybody's telling the truth you don't know who you know what i mean some dudes may have been lying about how it really went down and you know but it leaves room because there's a rat in there somewhere you find out who he is it was a setup there was a cop in there in yeah. the, on the team. I mean, I kind so, of feel like everybody probably knows who the who the rat was yeah. at this point. <laughs> so, well, some people may have never seen this movie. Maybe not. I mean, and because um, I had seen it a long time ago, and I forgot who it was. It wasn't until until later I, I remembered who it was. Yeah, it had but, been a um, long time since I'd seen this, so I had forgotten like what all the plot yeah. like developments were. It had some pretty interesting elements to to it. The uh, the heist was, you know, it's kind of. They're kind of showing us as, as as if it's a real professional bank robbery. No, it, was, it wasn't bank robbery. It was, it was jewelry, jewelry store. It was diamonds. Yeah, yeah it was diamonds. Yeah, it, uh, it was going to be real professional. And they had like they were all wearing issue uniforms and issue pistols. It was uh, they they were black suits with white shirts and black ties, and they couldn't use their own names. They had to use cover names, and they all had the exact same gun. A little Smith and Wesson. Uh, I think it's uh, five eight uh, six eight five five. I forgot which which model number it was. Just that damn stainless dual column nine millimeter automatic that they had back in the nineties. It, it was just everywhere, and uh, I was just paying attention to the guns, you know, during the show. And Harvey Keitel had two. They were the same, but they were slightly different models. Um, he had the square trigger guard one that everyone was issued, and then he had uh, a round trigger guard, so he must have been carrying his own, too. It was just, you know, and there was some weird stuff that happened, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Bashimi, Mr. White, or uh, Mr. Pink. He's Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink. Harvey Keitel was yeah. Mr. White. He had the same gun as everybody else, but one there's one shot where he falls, and you see it in his holster and it's a different model in there. I was wondering what the hell that was all about. It was the compact version in there. I guess it looked better in the holster. So they used that one. But so the guns were it I liked it. I liked it, but the, in, in any of these kind of movies I'm fucking really paying attention to the guns, being a gun guy. 
to see if the continuity is correct and if the thinking is right. And it, it passes the test. They had the gun. The guns fit the story. I thought it was kind of cool. Harvey Keitel, now that you bring him up, yeah. um, is actually the, one of the guys you have to thank for this movie being the way it was because initially the idea for this movie was to make it for 30 grand, which is all that Tarantino and his producer had at the time, and they were going to make it in black and white as his first movie was. But it so happened that the script for this was kind of like the guy that was going to be the producer on it whose name was Bender, I think Joseph Bender or something like that. And he was actually going to be in the movie too. He was in an acting class and his acting teacher, I don't know who the acting teacher was, but the acting teacher's wife happened to know Harvey Keitel and she passed the script to Harvey Keitel. And Harvey Keitel loved the script so much that he contacted Quentin Tarantino and said, I will not only like co-produce this movie, I will help you raise money for it and I'll be in the movie too. And he paid for them to fly to New York and do like a casting thing out there, which is where they got Tim he Roth. Paid for who? Um, for he paid for like Quentin Tarantino and the producer okay. and everybody like to fly out to New York and like okay. set up a casting okay. thing. Like, and that's where they got like I said Tim Roth, who I don't know if you know, but he's a British actor. Mm. Um, and they got Michael Madsen and uh, I think like one other actor. So they when they got out went out to New York to do it. So Harvey Keitel actually got like I said the original movie was just going to cost thirty grand because that's what they had. But Harvey Keitel, like him being involved in it, they actually raised like one and a half million. for you know for him being involved and they got like people that were you know big names and shit like that i mean people like steve buscemi and tim roth and stuff like that were not huge names but they were they were kind of like up-and-comers i think at the time yeah this movie made steve buscemi yeah it's me and that was supposed to be john crier actually that was who was going to be that role originally but yeah uh, this is the first time i remember when this came out was the first time i'd ever seen steve buscemi and I liked the guy. He reminded me of my my, uh, my buddy uh, Mike. Look, my my buddy Mike looks just like that. But um, and uh, I think I think Bushimi's career was built on on this movie because he's so good. At this. Yeah, because all of his roles were kind of like this. After this, you know, he, he ended up in a lot of a lot of like fucking criminal type movies. You know, where he plays kind of a bad guy, but like a likable bad guy. In one movie, he plays a serial killer. I forgot which one that was. Oh yeah, I have to look that up. Yeah. He was in Fargo too, wasn't he? Now that I'm yeah, thinking he was about in a bunch it. Of stuff. Yeah, the Coen brothers, because he did a lot of movies with the Coen yeah. brothers, actually. And Keitel ended up in more um, Quentin Tarantino movies, so I guess they started working together. Because he was in Pulp Fiction too. Yeah. And I think he was in a couple other. Yeah, ones. he was like the cleaner. Yeah. Well, and the thing about well, Samuel L. Jackson yeah. actually auditioned for this movie, but didn't get it. And uh, so Quentin Tarantino was like, yeah, but you can be in my next movie, though. Like, cause yeah. Samuel L. Jackson said, I blew the audition, like, for this one. Mm-hmm. But um, but Tarantino liked him yeah. so much that he actually, I think he actually, like, had him in mind for the part, like, in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Pulp Fiction, too, I, re- I realized this when I was watching it, is that, um, you know, Mr. Blonde, Michael yeah. Madsen's character... His last name, when they actually say what his last name is, is Vega. And I said, oh, he must be related to John Travolta's character from Pulp Fiction because that guy's last name is Vega, too. Yeah. Another- like, it's Vincent Vega, and this guy is Vic Vega. And, yeah, they're both in the same – they're supposed to be brothers. Yeah. And Tarantino was actually going to make a movie about both of them. 
Like, yeah. but it, they got too old, like, you know, by the time he got around to doing it. And also, I think that one of the radio ads, like, because, you know, one of the uh, threads going through the movie is them listening to, like, K-Billy's, like, 70s, Sounds of the 70s or whatever. Um, there's a radio commercial for Jackrabbit Slims, which was the diner from Pulp Fiction, where Uma Thurman and John Travolta yeah. were, like, dancing. Yeah, there's know? another thing in there that might be an Easter egg. Harvey Keitel, um, what's his name? The, the boss? What's the boss's name? Joe. Joe, yeah. Uh, Joe is asking Kaitel, or uh, what, what was his covered name? Uh, Mr. White, Mr. Was, White. Yeah, was, was Harvey, Harvey Kaitel. Kaitel. Yeah. He's asking Mr. White if if he had seen Alabama, and he goes, "No, I haven't seen her." You know, and, 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 or you know, she's doing something else, or and uh, evidently it was somebody that he that was around him while he was doing some robberies. And that could be talking about Alabama Whirly, who was. The uh, the girl that was in Pulp Fiction, that character, the one that uh, was I thought you said in, True Romance. In True Romance, yeah, Isn't yeah, that yeah. what I said? No, you said Pulp Fiction. Oh no, I meant True Romance. In True Romance, which Tarantino what wrote the script, there's a one of the main characters is Alabama Worley. So that's probably that may have been who who that who. Yeah, he's having like an extended universe. Type yeah, of thing. yeah. <laughs> Which actually, I think I think True Romance is a better movie than this, but this is a good movie. I haven't seen True Romance in a long time. I like I said, it. you know, Tarantino did write the screenplay for that, but uh, Tony Scott directed it. I put I put um, True Romance maybe as good or a little bit better than Pulp Fiction, but they're different. They're a different tone, but yeah. you but they do feel like they're in the same universe. Somebody said. Um, Ben said yes we do that Tim Roth is English. I was actually asking Tom if he knew those if he knew that Tim Roth was or uh, Tim Roth was English cuz I didn't know if you knew. I don't even know who that is. The guy that played Mr. Orange. Which guy was that? The guy that got shot? Like okay. got shot yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like laying No, yeah. I couldn't tell. He had a funny accent, but I just thought he was He said north. he was having a hard time. Like he was having a hard yeah. time with the with the American accent. Um yeah. and he actually he was in uh Pulp Fiction too. That could have been somewhere but he up, played he was British in that. That could have been somewhere up northeast though. There are people that kinda of sound like that to me, you know. Yeah, and to be honest, you don't really hear him talking normally until later because yeah. at the beginning, like you know, he's been shot and yeah. so he's just like mostly screaming. Yeah. <laughs> for like the first half of the movie. I think that's like that's such a great I mean, this really has one of the best kind of um, openers, you know what I mean? Because they just open on that diner scene where they're all sitting around, like, talking about bullshit, yeah. right? You know, they're talking about the Madonna song, and then they're talking about, um, you know, Mr. Pink, like, Steve Buscemi's character, how he doesn't believe in tipping. So there was that hot kind of whole thing. And then they just do that great iconic like scene where they're all just like walking down the street in slow motion like over the credits and then it like smash cuts to mr orange gut shot in the yeah. back of mr white's car and he's just like screaming that he's dying yeah. and they're freaking out and so it like yeah so like it jumps ahead till after to after the heist and you can tell that it went horribly horribly wrong because they don't know where anybody else is at that point and it's just that really gets you engaged right away and i think that was like a really good i think the way that he structured it you know what i mean like the way that he you know did it non-linear but i think that's really good because it just kind of reveals build upon reveals and he seems to know exactly 
when to do like a flashback, but it doesn't really feel like a cheesy ass flashback. You know what I mean? Another thing, nothing about it is that uh, this is a good lesson in how to do dialogue. Yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of Alien One, where the crew, the Nostromo, just kind of talks over each other and they, they talk, and they feel like real people. It's not like actors saying lines. And in that dialogue, the way they're interacting with each other, you already figure out what the hierarchy is, who's who, what people's personalities are like, and it's just in a real natural flowing conversation. And this kind of has that. Not quite as good as Alien 1, but still effective. Still effective. Because you don't have all the backstory of all these guys. You're just going by their accents, uh, how they're delivering lines, uh, what their emotions are at the time and what they're talking about and you can get a feel for for who they are as characters you know i like that i mean ideally that's what you should be shooting for in yeah. a movie like this yeah you because you don't want to that's kind of one of the you know very like characteristics that's one of the first things they kind of teach you in any you know, like screenwriting classes or anything like that <laughs> is it's kind of like a show don't tell. You don't want the you don't want them to be like yeah. dumping exposition on you or like explaining right. what they're going to do. You want them just interact and Quentin Tarantino, I was reading like a little bit of an interview with him earlier where he was talking about this movie and he said, you know, the thing about it is like most people don't talk about the characters want to talk about the plot because you're if you're a person, you don't yeah. talk about the plot. You just talk about bullshit. Yeah. You just want things to be revealed while you're talking about bullshit because yeah. that's how real life is. Yeah, good examples, you know, Harvey Keitel doing Mr. White. He's talking about the situation mostly and, and um, uh, you know, a a after Mr. Orange gets shot, he stands up for him. You, you know you're just on the way he's delivering the material. You know he's been to prison. You know he's a professional criminal, a, a, a thief, based, uh, and, you know, doing robberies. You know that he's going to get the job done, and if you try to stop him, he'll shoot you. But you also know he's compassionate. He stands yeah. up for people. He's a good guy. You know, he's a good. He, he's as good as you can be and still be a criminal. I mean, he'll shoot a cop if yeah. a cop's in yeah. his way. He doesn't think twice about yeah. it. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, but in their in their rationality, in their ra rationale, th that cop's in the game, and this yeah. is just a game. But he also didn't approve of them just shooting random civilians and stuff. You know? Yeah, he got really upset yeah. about Mr. Blonde. Like right. he was like calling him psychotic, and yeah. he's like, "I don't want to work with that yeah, guy." Yeah, and he goes, and "Did you see that black girl? How old was that black girl? Twenty? And the other guy says, "If that, so Mr. Blonde just shot some young black girl." Yeah, you know, he was upset about all that. He was just shooting people. Later on, Mr. Blonde's like, "Well, they hit the alarm. I told him not to hit the alarm." Yeah, so he he just figured well once they did like what I told them not to yeah. do, then they're, you know, right. th then they had already signed their death warrant. Yeah. He didn't care about it. Yeah, but Mr. White wouldn't have done that. He said no. he wouldn't have done it. He's just trying. He says he didn't want to. He he wasn't there to kill anybody. He's just is this is just a job. It's not personal, and uh, he just he's just there to get it done and get out. Um, but he talks about you know bashing somebody in the face, uh, you know if they if they don't listen. Uh, but he says, but if I'm trying to get out of there and what do he say? If, if I got to choose between shooting somebody and doing 10 years in prison, 
that's no choice. Right. Like said, that, 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 that's, you know, yeah, he'll do shot. what he has to do, but right, he yeah. won't go out of his way to, like, just to kill civilians right. or anything like that. Yeah. There's even kind of, like, a funny exchange. Like, that whole that whole scene between Mr. White and Mr. Pink, like, in the that bathroom or whatever, is really, really good, where... You know, Mr. Pink is kind of like, um, you know, how many cops got shot? And he's like, oh, or how many cops did you shoot? And he's like, yeah, how many cops he shot? And he's like, how about any real people? Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one, he says two. He, 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 he said a couple. The other guy said a couple. And he goes, you shoot any real people? And he goes, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, and that was kind of the big the big uh, issue that he had with it while like why the job started to go sideways is because he perceived Mr. Blonde as just like going psychotic and just like starting to shoot random civilians. Um, And I kind of, like I said, that's where the point where he thought that it went off the rails is because he was just like shooting all these random people. Yeah. And then um, I like too, that you don't really find out like Mr. Blue, the guy that plays Mr. Blue was actually like a real criminal. Um, you know, not anymore. Which one was that? Like not, but you don't see him much. He was like okay. an older guy, okay. and he only the had like beginning? yeah, yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. beginning, like when he's like yeah. when Joe is like telling uh, all of them about it, and he's um, and you actually never do figure out. They say that he died, but they don't show that. I think yeah. that they, I, as far as I know, like I think Tarantino shot a scene, or they wanted to shoot a scene where you saw Mister Blue get killed but they couldn't afford to shoot it or something like that. Because you do eventually see Mr. Brown, which is Quentin Tarantino's character, you do eventually see how he got killed because they say at the beginning, yeah, I I know he got killed because I saw him get shot in the head or whatever because they were trying to, like, carjack. Or that was, like, that was when Mr. Orange got shot, wasn't it? When they were trying to carjack and get the fuck out of there. It's just a, a, a good movie, tight. That's just, the whole thing is just hinged on this dialogue, good writing, and good performances. There is there is some action, but it's not an action movie. Um, although, the scenes that do have action, they're very short, but they're intense. And it's because they did a good job of uh, characterizing these characters. So you kind of care about what's happening to them. It's, it's a very good, well-made yeah. movie made on a budget. I mean, yeah. they're all criminals, but they yeah. very they have their own personalities. You know yeah. what I mean? In the beginning of them just shooting the shit, Tar- Tarantino's kind of pulled you into their world. So now you're kind of like you you care more about these guys. It's kind of like you're one of them. So yeah, I, I think that was the esta- yeah. the establishing shot where you're in the diner right. is to get you on board with these guys, even with though they're guys. clearly criminals. Yeah. but they're people that you want to hang out with because they're like kind of funny and they're just like hanging out and that really kind of draws you in and like i said i think that's such a great thing because it's like it's making you kind of chummy with these guys sitting down at the diner having breakfast with everybody Mm -hmm. and then he throws you right into the scene where mr orange is like you know bleeding to death like in the back seat of the car it's just like a really really good like juxtaposition yeah that that opening scene is like something out of glenn gary glenn ross yeah. They're p- pulling you into the world of salesmen in fucking Glen Gary Glen Ross. Yeah. Pulling you into the world of these damn thieves. That's another movie we should probably do one of these Glenn days. Glen Gary? Yeah. Because yeah. I haven't seen that in a long Ricky time. Ricky Roma. I, and I remember being yeah. that really, really good. Yeah, it's a fun movie. But yeah, that was that's another one we should do. But Fighting yeah. Fighting over the leads. <laughs> yeah. The leads, yeah. The Glen Gary leads. 
Somebody said earlier, like, um, that they, I think it was Danny said that they thought Mr. Pink should have lived. Mr. Pink did live. He was the only, I think he was the only one that did, but he got arrested though. They didn't show him getting arrested, but I'm pretty sure he would have got arrested because he picked up what I presumed was the diamonds, like on the way out. But then like you heard sirens and shit like that. Like yeah. at the very end, so I'm presuming that Mr. Pink, because at first I thought that he had escaped, like with the diamonds, because he was the only one that knew where the diamonds were, right? Yeah. But he said he had them stashed. Yeah. Or oh, oh, but then I thought, well, did it? Did Joe Cabot like know where the diamonds were because he came in and he had like a little? I don't know. Like the little case, and I presumed those were the diamonds because Mr. Pink like leaned down and picked it up like before he left the Maybe. warehouse. I don't know. But I was wasn't really paying attention to the diamonds. You know what I mean? wasn't looking for him, but maybe that's what that was. I thought that's what that was, because why would you pick them up, you know what I mean? But that's, I mean, and then there's kind of the other controversy, too, at the end, um, whether whether Mr. White shot or, or killed Mr. Orange. Like, that's the other controversy. Although I'm, I'm team, yeah, I think he did. Um, David June said, is the audio cutting in and out for anyone else? And they Tammy, said no. Tammy said, sounds okay here. Yeah. Yeah. I hope maybe that's just you. Yeah. Maybe that's just you. They're talking about, um, killing Zoe, which uh, yeah, I remember that being good too. I remember that being good too. But, um, so one thing that you mentioned when we were watching the movie and last night, and I think a lot of people kind of think this. Um, the very, very famous, probably the most famous scene where Mr. Blonde, Michael Madsen, like, cuts that cop's ear off. Yeah. And you had said that you remembered that being a lot more graphic than it was. I remember actually seeing him cut it off, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't Isn't that it. crazy? He doesn't show it. Yeah. It's just kind of like, and I use this example a lot, but it's just kind of like how people remember, um, like, for example, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, you yeah. you think you remember Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair, getting, like, eviscerated by the chainsaw, but you don't. You don't see anything. Yeah. You just see him from the back. You don't yeah. see, like, anything happen. And it's the same thing in Reservoir Dogs. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, they cut that dude's ear off. But they don't. He just goes like that with the with the straight razor and then it pans over. Yeah, you don't see it. And then like he they he does have the severed ear in his hand, which actually really made me laugh when he's just like, Hey, hey can I can, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which like babe, I'm like, that's so fucked up, but it's like it's so so funny. Michael Badson was so good in that. And it's like it's funny because um he apparently really had a hard time like with doing the violence in that scene, especially like cause he had to cut that dude's um face and everything and when the guy that played the cop you know like when he's gonna burn him to death like he's Mm -hmm. poured all the gasoline on him and he says i have a little kid at home or something like that that was an ad lib like that wasn't in the script and michael madsen they said he had just had a kid yeah and so like that freaked him out like a little bit because he's just like oh shit i don't want to do it now (laughs) because it like really really bothered him because that was like that was a really good ad lib though because Mm -hmm. it like added a lot to that scene but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I kind of feel like that Steelers wheel song stuck in the middle with you is probably like ruined forever because yeah. of its association with that fucking thing. And this is, I have to say too, that Quentin Tarantino, maybe like for all his faults, like later on, because he did become not in this, not in exactly the same way that maybe Tim Burton did, but 
you know, you know how Tim Burton, like, he came out and he was, like, all this big, like, you know, original and everything, but now, like, every movie is, like, Tim Burton-y? Yeah. You know what he's, I'm saying? He's, like, a, he's, like, a, he's, he's a like He's, like, a meme or, like, a his, brand his at mo- this his point. His movies are memes. Yeah. And it's, a, so, I kind of feel like Tarantino had that a little bit happen to him, too. Yeah. I think he redeemed himself, though, on, on With Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a fucking fantastic movie. Yeah, that, I know that maybe there were some people that didn't like it. I loved that movie. I thought it was so so. Fucking and Hateful good. Eight was good too. Yeah, I liked Hateful yeah. Eight. Yeah. Um, really, it's just like a few of his movies that I didn't super love. Yeah, some of it it got too fucking ridiculous. Like the one, uh, the the one the war movie one. What Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, yeah, that one was just too fucking ridiculous. Um, I thought Kill Bill was too fucking ridiculous. I didn't like it. Oh, I liked Kill Bill. Yeah, everybody else seems to like it. I didn't like it. Well, um, I mean, Kill Bill was supposed to be an homage to, like, those over-the-top, yeah. like, Hong Kong, yeah. like, action movie. You know what I mean? So it was supposed to be. Like, it wasn't supposed to be realistic. Yeah, I just thought it was dumb. Yeah, know? well, I, I mean, you know. Um, some I can understand some people might like it, but I, I didn't really care for it. This one was, like like I said, tried to be more realistic, but in, like, a theatricality type of way. It's funny because I think when Harvey Keitel, like, when him and uh, Quentin Tarantino were working on this movie, like, and Harvey Keitel had read the script, he's like, oh, did you grow up in a really rough neighborhood? Or did you have, like, parents that were criminals or gangsters or something like that? And Quentin Tarantino said, Tarantino said, no, I just watch a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so it's kind of realistic in that sense, but it's also like has a theatricality to it. Yeah. Which is not, which is like heightened reality, I guess, like a little bit. Like it's not, I don't know. Like it's not super realistic, but it's in a way that sounds realistic. Like when you see it in a film, you know what I mean? Uh, David June said, I love his dumb shit. Uh, Django. I, I still haven't seen uh, Django Unchained, by the way. Hatefully, Kill Bill. It's all silly nonsense. Um, and then they're saying, uh, Ben says, I think the only actual blood in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is where the hitchhiker cuts the annoying wheel, the wheelchair guy. Not even sure if the meat hook impalement has blood. It doesn't because you don't see that from the back either. You see that from the front, like when he hangs around the thing. I think the only blood you see is when, it, when the, he cuts his hand, like in the van. I don't even think you see any blood with the with the wheelchair because you just see it from the back. Uh, David June said, yeah, shooting Hitler in the face while burning him to death was ridiculous. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. Like, I don't like... Um, I like his silly movies. I don't like them as much as, you know, Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that were more... I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of got a little bit ridiculous at the end, but in an acceptably ridiculous kind of way. You were laughing. I was, I was laughing. I was laughing because it, it built up to that. Yeah. So you know, I understood it. And uh, also, the one that had um, the one that had Crustle in it, Death Proof, wasn't too wasn't bad. That was pretty good. Yeah, I liked that, that one a lot good. too. Yeah. That one was a lot of yeah. dialogue as well, but I yeah. liked that because I liked yeah. all the characters. Yeah, Death Proof was pretty good. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I probably did. We did we do that one? I don't think we've, we we need, we need to do it. I don't. I think we saw it, but I don't think we reviewed yeah, it. Yeah, because I remember watching it not too long ago. Yeah. Like I saw it in the theater. Like I said, I saw, you know, when they did um, when it came out and it was Grindhouse and it yeah. was the two movies. You know what I mean? And then it had like all the fake trailers in the middle. Yeah. I went. And I saw it like in the theater and they played it like all in one thing like that, which is cool. But I don't even know if you can see that like that anymore unless you do it yourself. But I mean. I was going to say that um, the fucking music in this is great. That was another thing that was really influential, particularly like for independent films in the 90s, was that 
I kind of feel like prior to this, independent films, like they didn't have the money to put like kind of big hits or anything in there. So it always kind of had to just be, you know, not, not stock music, but nothing that was all that exciting. But after this, like it seemed like every indie movie had to be like cool and have like a really, really cool there was, soundtrack. You know what I mean? There was one shot that I remember standing out during the day, during the day that this came out. And it did it again when I watched it. That was when um, he's inside listening listening to the to stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. And he goes outside and the camera follows him and he walks yeah. across the street and he gets quiet and he goes to the trunk and gets the gasoline and comes back. You didn't see that. You, didn't, you don't see Tarantino that. Tarantino said that was his favorite sequence in the movie. Yeah, because you don't see that normally. You follow that and, and the change in ambience from being inside of a damn loud warehouse with that music and then going outside and this dude just calmly walking and getting the gas and then going right going back it just felt like you were with the dude yeah like it like it really happened i think that's that's just really funny that you yeah. brought that up because yeah. like i said tarantino said that was his very favorite yeah. sequence in the yeah. movie like because yeah. well because yeah because you get you walk outside like yeah. and you just hear like the sounds of la yeah, of la yeah like little gonna... kids laughing and like yep. cars like traffic yep. and stuff like that like it was like a normal yep kind of shit it was, you it know was what weird. i mean it and was he goes like back into this fucking place where he's torturing this dude right like it was yeah. the most like it was just like normal, normal like there was normal shit going on and you didn't yeah. know what was going on out yeah. there like I, yeah that was like a really really good i mean this this movie is just like full of I mean, there's, it's iconic for a reason. It's just kind of full of, like, fucking... It's got great music in it, like, perfect, perfect mu- music choices, which Tarantino is always really good at. Like, the dialogue is hilarious, um, you know, and it's just, like, so sharp, and it's just... I, I don't know. I just feel like this this and Pulp Fiction are probably, like, to They probably teach this in uh, screenwriting classes, I'd imagine. Like, in how to write dialogue and things like that, because... Yeah, well, I think he let it, I think he let them ad lib a lot of it too. Yeah, may, maybe I don't know. I haven't you, seen the actual. Like I said, now I do know that one line about the kid was yeah. that was that was ad libbed, but Some I don't know. Some of that stuff sounds like it was just pulled out of their ass. It does, yeah. I mean, yeah, and uh, which that's good thing, you know. If you, if you have good actors and you got a good director and you and they're all in on it, then they can you can just let them run. You know, yeah, because I mean, they do. Re- you know, yeah. before they shot this, I think they rehearsed right. it for two or three weeks. Right. You know, so you get into all your characters, you get to know like everybody else's characters and all their timing and everything like that. So you can kind of play off of each other. Um. Yeah. Richard Brown said Jackie Brown uh, is my fave. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's another one we should probably do. David says we'll send him. Uh, you can read what he said. Uh, after the show, shoot me the new address. I'll happily send Hateful Eight or Django to y'all because that would be a fun review. Ooh, okay. Thanks, I would appreciate right, yeah. that. Okay, I'll send. Yeah, don't let me forget. Like, I'll send you the new uh, okay. new address. So. Yeah, I don't have Hateful Hateful Eight or or Django. Yeah. And Camp Guy said, "I love Jackie Brown." Yeah, we should probably do that one too. That's like his take on like black exploitation. Yeah, Pam, I've seen Pam it. Greer was in that. Yeah, that I was. I really, like it. You probably would like yeah. it. It might be on Tubi. I think it yeah. was like. A few like a couple weeks ago, I saw it on there. All right, so are are you ready to? to... Yeah, I'm gonna go down and cook. Oh, he's got to go down and cook. Yeah, okay, that's what I cook. thought he was. Getting I got everything all. Bit, yeah, I got everything a little prepped bit up. antsy. Yeah, I got everything prepped up. I was trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to cover yeah. about this movie. Thai chicken curry so. going on down there. Oh boy, that sounds fresh funny. stuff out of the damn garden in there. Fresh stuff out of the garden. Yeah. All right, so yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Go okay. see it if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I classic. think it's on. I think it's on Hulu. And like I said, you can really see like 
Tarantino is one of those guys that just came out almost like kind of like fully formed, you know what I mean? Um, but we'll probably do Pulp Fiction uh, next. So it'll be, I don't know, maybe Sunday or next Tuesday or something like that. We'll probably do it. Because like I said, we still got to do Godfather 2 and 3 at some point too. So you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So tomorrow is our main show because tomorrow's Wednesday. And we're going to do a show about, guess what? The Moonies. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be yeah. the next show. Right that's going to be tomorrow night. Yeah. So hopefully all of you guys can make it. Thank you for dropping by today. And I will we'll both see you again tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>